I must say, today we come to Revelation chapter 18, and it is the last of the terrible judgments that comes upon the world. And as I said before, it's really difficult to preach through these hardships that's going to come upon mankind. It's really difficult to think that man is going to suffer terrible loss, terrible calamities that's going to come upon. And it's not really, it's not as if we as born-again children of God are sitting here and say, yes, you right deserve that. No, it's not like that. And my, my dear friend, I hope in your heart it's not like that. Because we need to pray for people's souls. And we pray that more people will go to heaven and, and have a wonderful time with God in heaven forever. So that's why it was so difficult over these last few weeks to preach about all these terrible things coming. But there's one more sermon about that, and that's today. Revelation chapter 18. And we see where this angel is going to come out and he's going to shout, Babylon the great is fallen. Babylon is here today. I want you to understand that. It's not something for the future. We're already living in Babylon. We're already living in a religious system, which is Babylon. We're already living in a commercial system, which is Babylon. It's not as if it's going to be this thing that's just going to appear. It's here. And we need to navigate our way through that. We need to see our way through that. We need to live as we are living in the system. We see how false teachers come around. We hear them. We know them. We see false religion. We see how the world is going more and more into materialism, into commerce. We see how people's hearts and minds are captivated by this. We see how our systems in schools and governments and everything changes to live a life within the system. It's evident. Here we find now in Revelation chapter 18, 17 last week and 18 this week, how this whole thing is going to come to an end. And again, you and I are so privileged to see what's going to happen. We don't follow the news events, although it's good to see what's going on in the world. We, but that's not our plumb line. That's not our measurement. Our measurement is the Word of God. Friends, we do not follow stars. We do not follow people. We don't follow uh, ideology. We follow the Word of God. And that only is going to be the guideline for us. The Word of God today for us is the cloud by day that we follow. Is the fire by night. It's still here. The same way that the Word of God, or that God took the nation through the wilderness in the Old Testament, is exactly the same way that God's doing it for you and for me. We just need to understand and hear His voice. His voice is still speaking. He's speaking to you and me today. He's speaking through His Word. And if you hold on to that, that's solid. That is a foundation. That is a pure foundation. So we're going to see today how the commerce side, the commercial side of this city is falling. This whole thing is going to come to an end. In Ezekiel chapter 43 verse 1, we read in the Old Testament already about this. And remember, 283 times the word Babylon is used in the Old Testament all through the Bible. 
So this is so evident, even in Jesus' day. He says in Ezekiel 43 verse 1, Afterward he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the, the earth shone in His glory. I've put that verse up there, just for you and for me to remember, to remember the following, that in the midst of this dark society, there is a light that's shining. There is a light that's shining. And that's God's light. It's not a torchlight. It's not a flashlight. It's a glorious light that shines. And we need to remember that. That through all of this calamity, God is still in control. Do you believe that? He's still in control. It's not as if God is losing control and trying to get hold of the bicycle not to fall over. He is in full control of the whole situation. There's two cities here which I want to show you. We first found the religious Babylon in Revelation 17. We looked at it last week. And this now talks about commercial Babylon. I want to suggest, like many scholars do and commentators do, that this might be two cities. There's two cities that he talks around here. I know there's a lot of people who put it down to Rome and the Pope and all of those things. I not necessarily hold on to that, I hold to the Word of God. Although they will play part of it, I do believe that Rome will play part of that. If you look at these two cities next to each other, you'll see that religious Babylon is the mystery Babylon uh, mentioned in Revelation 17. The symbol of this Babylon is the harlot woman who's sitting in the desert, in the wilderness. And that is the, the symbol it is identified with Rome. Where is Rome right now? It's inland. Rome, the city of Rome is inland, where the Vatican is. And also, it says that it's a woman, a whore, and a mother. That is words identified in Revelation 17. She's guilty of religious abominations. Remember how it said last week that she is making people drunk with her fornication luring people into false religion. And there are so many people lured into false religion today. It is unbelievable the amount of falsities that's in this world and is grabbing the hold of people, captivating their minds. I've listened to another sermon this week. Not the whole sermon, just a bit of it. I can't bear the whole thing. And it's absurd what people say these days and put down under the, the banner of Christianity. And we have to listen to these things. Again, that is the religious Babylon. And we also saw that it's destroyed by the political power that previously supported her. The Antichrist, the beast that she's sitting on, three and a half years into the seven years, is going to turn on religion. They're going to kill them. Why? Because the Antichrist is going to set up his own religion. And, and we see some kind of effects of that happening already through the news events. In Revelation chapter 18, what we're going to see today, we're going to discover that this now is the great Babylon because he says Babylon the Great versus Mystery Babylon. These are two different places I suggest to you this morning. The symbol is a great city. A great city. And we also see that 
it is identified with a port city. So whereas Rome was sitting inland, this city, the commerce or commercial city, is a port city. And you can go around the world and start identifying cities which is there. Some people say it is New York. Others say it's Dubai. Others say it's all over the place. Friends, I'm not here this morning to speculate which city it is. I know that there is a system which is called this great Babylon, which is captivating people's hearts, and as I say, we are living in it. The habitation, this, this makes a great city and a great marketplace of commerce where people trade and, and, and a lot of things is, is turning hands and a lot of luxury and wealth will be made in this. What is the guilt of this great Babylon? It is self-indulgence. Now let me ask you the question this morning. Are we seeing a lot of self-indulgence in our world today? Absolutely. They say the rich is getting richer and the poor is getting poorer. And it is as if, it is as if the rich are now walking proudly around and showing off what they have in the face of the poor. In the face of the poor. And it's going to get worse. The closer, like a moth, comes closer to a fire, the heat is turned up. Have you thought about that? But the moth doesn't worry about the heat, but he wants to go to the light, and eventually the light kills him. The heat kills him. This is the same thing. Friends, it captivates our young people's hearts. The picture these days of success is not a man in his Bible on his knees. The picture these days of success is a man with a nice brand new suit with a really expensive car, a car and he holds a lot of notes in his hands. That is the picture of success. It is so different from what God tells us what success is. And that becomes the guilty, the guilt of this system of the commercial Babylon. And we're also going to see, this is where we see the difference between the two. One was destroyed by the Antichrist, and the other is going to be destroyed by God. It's going to be destruction. It's a sudden act of God that's going to destroy that. So do you want to look into the city? Let's go. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. He says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. That must have been one spectacle to see that the whole earth is illuminated with its glory. We saw this in Ezekiel, remember? When he said in that first verse there, he says, His voice was like the sound of many waters and the earth shone with His glory. Friend, there is no glory like the glory of God. Hallelujah. No glory like the glory of God. It shines the whole world. And here we see this from this angel. And he cried with a mightly, with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the uh, abundance of her luxury. We see this angel coming down. And as I said, it illuminates. 
it eliminates the, the earth with His glory. And I want to suggest that this angel was in the very presence of God. And when he came out of that presence, the presence of God shone through the angel. So much so that the whole earth was illuminated. You say, how has this happened before? You remember when Moses went up on the mountain and he came down? What happened? His face was shining so. They had to cover it. God is a God of glory. Hallelujah. And it's so wonderful, friends, that he came down in Ezekiel again, that verse, he says that uh, the glory of God was shining through the whole earth. I can repeat that phrase over and over again, friends, because you and I, one day are going to spend time forever in the glory of God. What a wonderful thought. What a fantastic thought that we are going to spend forever in the glory of God and it's going to shine in His brightness. There is no darkness with God. Sin is darkness. But in God's presence there will be no darkness. There will be no sin in the place that we're going to go. He cried with a mighty loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen. We've heard this before in Revelation 14. In Isaiah 21 already we see this. In Isaiah 21 verse 9, he says him, Behold, here comes a chariot of a man, a pair of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. And all graven images of her gods have made smashed to the ground. This was an actual city here. This was the city before the Medio and the Persians came and they conquered Babylon. So it already happened to a physical city, but that was only a shadow of things to come. That was only a play out of prophecy that will still come in the future. That was a physical city that was destroyed by the Medes and the Persians. And here in Revelation chapter 18 verse 2, it describes how God judges the world system. The whole system, both commercial and spiritual Babylon. So you see the two, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament uncovers the Old Testament and it shows it for us. Now the amazing thing here is to understand you can just go back and read when the Medes and the Persians came into Babylon. There were absolute terror and panic amongst the people. These people didn't just walk in and kiss them and give them a brotherly hug to, hug to take over the city. They utterly destroyed them, killed them, killed their babies in horrible ways. And there were panic, grab a hold of the people and panic. Now, We've gone over this before. For the last few months, we've went over the terrible things that's going to come over this world. If it happened in the Old Testament, where there was panic, and where all of these terrible things happened to them, this terror, the same thing's going to happen in the future. The same panic and terror is going to grab the hearts and the minds of people in the future. When the Lord destroys this system. Now, look at another thing here. You remember, he says it there. He says, uh, it has become a dwelling place of demons, 
of prisons of every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean hated bird. This commercial place, the epicenter of luxury, the epicenter of the most beautiful thing that man can build. I can just imagine like now, if you see all of these luxury and these beautiful things, it's on the front of newspapers, of magazines. It is golden streets and marmor everywhere you go. Beautiful, and people behold it and say, wow, it is so fantastic. To think that all of those things made by man and by man's effort becomes the dwelling place. That's what it says it right there. It says it became the dwelling place of demons. Of demons. Now man builds it not for demons. It builds it for himself. For self-indulgence. But it becomes the dwelling place of demons and a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. In the New Testament, when you read about birds, it always equals, or it, it talks about evil. You remember the parable about the mustard seed in Matthew 13? It says the mustard seed, which was a, a, a herb, became a tree. And what happened with the tree? It became the dwelling place of birds. Even in Matthew chapter 13, our Lord Jesus Christ was explaining to us Babylon the Great. Even in Matthew chapter 13, He was explaining to us Babylon the religious system, which harvests all of these foul birds. A dwelling place of demons, a prison of every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean, unclean hated bird. He says, all the nations, you see that, have drunk the wine of wrath of her fornication. That wine of wrath is going to mean there's a judgment coming on all of those nations. And even the kings of the earth have fornicated and committed that with her, and the merchants of the earth has become rich. You'll see the, the people he's mentioning here, the kings, the merchants, they all will be judged by this. In verse 20 he says, uh, in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 20, I want to read to you this, because it just shows you the desolation that's going to happen. He said, it will never be inhabited or lived in for all generations. This is Babylon. Think about this. Absolute desolation. No Arab will pitch its tent there. Now, everybody wants to flock there. Now, everybody wants to go there and live there and make money, and live in luxury. But there cometh a day that no Arab will pitch his tent there. And listen, let me tell you that Arabs love their money, don't they? They won't pitch their tents there. No shepherd will make his flock to lie down there. A shepherd always looks out where his green pastures for his flock to go. And the shepherds even look at this and go, it is so utterly destroyed that we do not going to go there. But wild animals will lie down there, and their houses will be full of howling creatures. That means the owls, okay? It's a howling creature. The ostriches, which is unclean birds, according to the Jews, will dwell. And their wild goats will dance. Hyenas will cry in its towers and jackals in the pleasant places. Its time is close at hand and its days will not be prolonged. Think of that. They've built these beautiful palaces. For whom? For these unclean animals. 
It goes back to the previous verse which says that it will become a, de- a dwelling place of demons, of every foul spirit, and every... And here, here, in Isaiah chapter 13, in the Old Testament, the prophet already spoke about what's coming. But he gives it names of animals. Is that a place that you want to dwell in? No. In Revelation 18 verse 4, he says, Now and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in the sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Can you hear the cry of God here? For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her, just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she shall be mixed, mixed double to her. In the measure that she glorifies herself and lives luxuriously, and same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore, therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burnt with fire, For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Can you see that God judges with fire? But here is the crowd, the cry. Here is the cry saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. Listen, I start off talking today and I said that we're already living in the system. And this cry, although you might sit here and say it is for future Babylon, we are going to be raptured out of the world. This doesn't talk to us. But it does. It does. It speaks to you and me today. For these things are around us already. And the cry of God is still, come out of her, my people. It doesn't mean we need to go and live on a small little island now, like the Amish people. It doesn't mean that. But you, we're, not in the, we're in the world, but not of the world. Do you understand that concept? We can partake of these things, but listen, friends, it should not grab a hold of you and partake in you. We are living in this. The cry here is that we should come out. It should be the attitude of Lot when he went out, but not Lot's wife. You remember what happened to Lot's wife? As as they were taken out of the city, why? Because the city there, the the sin of the city has reached heaven. The same as this is happening here, she went out, but she, in her heart, was so full of this system, this commercial system, and this political system, and this, this religious system, that as she walked away from the city, had to look back. And what happened to her? She turned into a salt of pillar, pillar of salt. And here it calls us to come out of, out of her. It says they rendered to her just as she's rendered to you. The Greek here means literally to pay a debt. So this world is, is making up a debt and it will be paid back. Now, I want to take you in the Bible. I just think, thought about it this morning. In your Bible, just open up in James chapter 5. Because people from time to time say, so is it a sin to be rich? Is it a sin? To have money. Some people will say, yes, you've got to give it all away. You've, you've got to give it all away. And you shouldn't have a penny in your name. Otherwise, it's a sin. Look, look, we just showed you today. He says, look at all of those things that's there. The question is, is it a sin? Because if we look at 
at what's happening here. It's all about materialism. Keep your place there in James 5. We're going to work some, some there. You see, this is a materialistic lure and it's constant threat that we need to guard against as children of God. In Isaiah 52 verse 11, he says, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Talking about Babylon, he says, go out, don't touch it. Jeremiah 50 verse 8, flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. Again, does that mean that we now have to go and find a little God city and build God city and only Christians going there and we live poor? Jeremiah 51 verse 45, he says, My people go out of the midst of her and let everyone deliver himself from the fierce anger of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14, Do not be equally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? E Ephesians chapter 5, 11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So now you find people who say, You see, we shouldn't even touch the world. We should build our own God city, our own kingdom. You get a lot of kingdom now preaching going on. He's warning here about commercialism. He's warning about luxuries and all these things that people get entangled into. But the question is again, is God then against money? Having money and the answer is no. He's not. So I want you now to look in your Bible in James chapter 5. <clears throat> because James gives us an explanation here. He says in verse 1, Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. You say, wait a minute, you just told us that he's not against money, but the first thing that he says here in verse 5, chapter 5, is that the rich must weep. Have you ever wept about the money that you've got? No, <laughs> I haven't got enough to weep about. <laughs> but it, he says it right there he says come on weep now he says in verse 2 your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten your gold and silver are corroded and the corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have heaped up a treasure in the last days friends let me explain to you God is not against money no no he understands how it works but there's three things that he's against for these rich people that they need to weep about. Three things. Three sins. Which is the same sins that's been conducted by, by, by great Babylon. Number one is in that verse, verse two. He says your gold and silver are corroded. How does gold and silver corrode? If you store it up and never use it. Yes, you never use it. Okay. So you become stingy. You become selfish. You heap it up more and more. And now it becomes something of a status model for you. I've got more than you and I'm going to heap up more. I'm going to be the richest man in my town. I'm going to be the richest man in my city. I'm going to be the richest man in my state. I'm going to be the richest man in my country. I'm going to be the richest man in the world. 
So it becomes about you. You see how you've taken pride in that. So this is what this addresses. No, not the money itself is the issue here. It is when you start collecting it and you want to make a status out of that. Let, let's let. He says it, it corrode and the corrosion will be a witness against you. So in other words, you do not share. You do not share. Now just before some people think I'm going to start preaching on tithing now, that's not it. That's not it. You won't hear those sermons from me ever. But this is, if you have, and you don't see somebody in need and help them, you say, wait a minute, this is a little, have you got more proof in the Bible? Because on, on two or three witness stands, yes, I do have. You remember in Luke chapter 3, when John the Baptist was baptizing, and people came to him and they said, what must we do? And he says, you have two tunics. It means you have two jackets. Give one away. This is this principle that I'm getting to now. Give one away. No, no, don't go and sell it on Gumtree. <laughs> and then say, oh, I've helped those people. I sold it at a really cheap price. Look, I paid $1,500 for that jacket, and I only sold it for 400 bucks. I've helped them, man. That's not what it means. That's the fruit of repentance. This is what he addresses here, selfishness. This is this verse. So it's not money is the sin. It is selfishness of money is the sin. You see that? He says that it will witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up a treasure in the last days. And, and remember I said it before, we see it more and more happening. So the first sin that these rich people need to weep around in James chapter 5 is selfishness. The second one is in verse 4. He says, Indeed, wages of your laborers who moved, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. That just means the Lord of hosts. So what is the second sin that they're going to weep about? It is by getting the luxury out of fraud not being honest about it. That's the second one. They had laborers, and they didn't pay their laborers. Instead, the laborers got the money in for their business. They grew rich, and they didn't look after their people. That is a sin of money. So money is not the sin here. It is their hearts. It is the ways how they get their money. I believe if you work hard for your money, God will bless you. And if He bless you, my friend, you, you enjoy the money that God gives you. So two things, selfishness, and number two is how you get your money. Is it in a right way before God? Or are you stealing from other people to make yourself rich? And look, it says that their cries has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And look, friend, you do not want to pay that debt back to God. We see the same thing here. He says, render to her in verse 6, as she rendered to you. So every single time that you steal from your employees or from people, or every single time you get that money illegally, or not in the right way, is building up a debt for you to be paid back. The third one. <clears throat> now we've got the first one, selfishness. Second one, it is illegal means of getting the money. 
The third thing that they need to weep about is in verse 5. He says, you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have commended, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So there's three things. And it is, friends, as if God has got it against luxurious living. Now what is luxurious living? It is living, you know, it's going overboard with how you live luxuriously. And we see this. Remember when we had Lazarus sitting at the gate of the rich young man. Now the rich young man was living this kind of life. You know what he did? Every single day he killed a calf. Every single day he had a feast. We see the same picture. You remember when the prodigal son came back and the father said, go and get one of the fatted calves. The fatted cows and we're going to kill that and have a feast. That in their days was luxurious. This man with Lazarus sitting at the gate, every single day he had one of those. That is luxury living. This is what God says that these rich people need to weep about. And it is as if when James wrote down these three sins of rich people, we see it playing out here in, 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 in commercial Babylon. Look at the words there. He says, for, your, for her sins, in verse 5, Revelation 18.5, he says, For her sins has reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now that debt rendered to her, that debt's going to be paid. Why? It is matter that she glorified herself, lived luxuriously in the same measure, uh, give her torment and sorrow. So her sins here is that sins that I've just showed you in James chapter 5. Now let's continue in verse 8. He says there, or let's, let's look at the, the sins there. The threefold sin that she indulged in is self-indulgence. She lived luxuriously. And then there was the pride. She glorified herself and lived luxuriously. You see the pride that comes with that? She sat as a queen. And then she was avoiding suffering. I'm no widow and I will see no sorrow. That's the sense of this. It's the same. Friends, the Bible is not so difficult. It's not for professors. It's not for professors. It's really simple to understand. God wants us to live a simple life. A simple life. Don't get beyond yourself. Romans chapter 12, he says, Don't think of yourself more than you ought to think. And here he says, just live that life. But some people find it so difficult to live this. And here we see now what's, how it's going to be judged. Let's look at verse 9. And we're going to see now the people who's influenced by this. In verse 9 he says, The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and they will lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Don't you think the judgment of God is quickly? Friend, this is so true to our day and age now. If God wants to judge sin in your life, it, it won't take time. He will judge it instantaneously. It's quickly. In one hour, everything that mankind has built together 
destroyed in one hour. It's amazing that these kings of the earth, who's got power, fornicated with this commercial. Now they stand, stand afar off, they can't go near, because the heat is so intense. The judgment of God is so intense. So the kings are flabbergasted by that. But not only them, in verse 11, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. They will weep and mourn. What is a merchant? It's people who make trade. Buy and sell, buy and sell. They will, they will weep and mourn. I go back to James chapter 5, verse 1. He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your mercies that are coming, miseries are coming upon you. Here we see that weeping. The Bible is true, my friend. The Bible is true. The Bible is correct. The Bible is true. You can take it. You can believe in it. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet. Every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, incense, frankincense oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and the bodies and souls of men. This tells me, and it's already happening, that slave trade is coming in. It's already here today. It just went underground. There's slaves around this world. There's people today who's been sold as slaves. Today. Sex slaves. Work slaves. It's happening today. And here it says now that they took these people, it's coming back to the old Roman Empire, where they've got these people and they're going to sell their bodies, sell their souls. It talks about people here. And I don't have to explain all of this, but these things here, friends, one thing that I do is will say, this is all luxuries, not necessities. Have you seen? It's all luxuries. So why is this mourning happening there? It's all because of self-interest. It's not helping other people. It's self-interest. No one buy that anymore. The fruit, verse 14, that you so longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. And it's going to go on and on. Weeping and ailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster who had traveled the ship sailors and many a strait on the sea stood at a distance. So two people so far, the kings of the earth, what did they cry out? Alas, alas, they said, uh, uh, alas, alas, Where, where's that passage now? Uh, he said, there you go, verse 10, he says, alas, that great city, that mighty city, for in one hour a judgment has come. These people cry out as well, they say, the great city and all of the things which they have sold has come to nothing in great riches in one hour was made to come to nothing 
In verse 17 he says, for in one hour, now it's not only those two, the kings and the, and the merchants, it's the shipmasters as well. He says there in verse 17, for in one hour such great city came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors and as many as trade by sea stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of a burning saying, what is like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been made desolate. Three times it, they repeat it in one hour. It's a sudden destruction. Some people say, some commentators say, it, it, it might be a strike of a, a nuclear bomb. And if you think about it, it could be true. Bar this fact, I don't think it's going to be a nuclear bomb. Because God is going to do this. If, if it's a nuclear bomb, then there's a man sitting behind it. You could say, well, God pushed the man to do it, but still, but still it's the man doing it. God is going to destroy this in one hour. So great is this going to be that they have to stand away. You say, has this happened before? Yes. Sodom. You remember Sodom? It was struck by this fury of God. Fire. Great fire. Stones of fire falling from a sky like hail. It will destroy this city utterly. Verse 20 says, now we see the change here, don't we? We see all these people wailing about things which is really important to them, self-indulgent. But here we see a change. He says, rejoice! Hallelujah! In the midst of all of this, there's a rejoicing going on. He says, rejoice over her. Who? Who rejoices over her? O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets. Why them? Have you ever thought, why them? Why rejoice? Because, friends, they were the ones prophesying against it all these years. And to this day, people will say, oh, come on, where's those prophecies? They don't come to fulfillment. They don't come to fulfillment. He said, what about Isaiah prophesied and, and, and in Medes and Persians, they did destroy Babylon. Yeah, but it, it is not the great Babylon. It is not mystery Babylon. These are the ones who rejoice, for God has avenged you on her. You remember the apostles who were killed? You remember all of them were killed? They didn't die a natural death. They were killed for their faith. Their blood flew. Who caused that? That was religious Babylon. He said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Whoa, where are you going with this? It was the, uh, the Jews who killed them, who hated them because they came into Judah against Judaism. Yes, it was man who killed them. But behind man, can you see this now, was religious Babylon. So who killed them? Religious Babylon. Now, religious Babylon is avenged. Their blood is avenged. Who killed the prophets? Their own people killed their prophets. Because they didn't like to hear what God said through these prophets. They killed them. Who was sitting behind that religious Babylon? Now the blood has been avenged. Verse 21, Then the mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Remember that verse that I gave you about the animals living in those places? The sound. Now listen to this, because this tells you an absolute stop of life. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard anymore. 
This makes up society, which you hear now. They shall be here known. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of a bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery and all nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints of all who were slain on the earth. You remember Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 18? He says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes to me in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone be hung around his neck and were drowned in the depth of the sea. Here we find a fulfillment thereof. We find it. You say, How can you make that connection? Because a religious Babylon, friends, I'm saying to you, we are living in it today. And there are people who are caught up by this, who are being lied to. And, and if you think I'm talking about the Mormons, and if you think I'm talking about the Jehovah Witnesses, or if you think I'm talking about Islam, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about false teachers today, who sounds just so close to be true, but it's not. They are all part of religious Babylon. That grabs a lot of people away. Then you find the second part of it, which is commercial Babylon, the life, our lifestyles we're living today. This is a stark warning for you and for me today. The voice rings in my ears, or the words rings in, into my ears, come out of her. Come out of her, my children. Now, please don't sit here and say that, you know, I'm preaching and say it's against money. I think I've proved that already. But when you use it, use it wisely. When you use it, think of the three sins. Is it for self, selfishness? How do you get that? And how do, you, how do you live your life? We have to take warning out of this. So there we have the destruction in one hour of this commercial system which is going to come. You think there's a lot of warnings for us today? Let's take heed of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we come to an end to a terrible time that's going to come upon this world. We haven't come to the end, just preaching through it, Lord. We know it's still coming. But Father, thank you for the warning today for us, here today, that we need to be aware of, of this religious Babylon. We need to be aware of, Father, that when we ourselves trying to make your word and your freedom, if we're trying to make it a religion for ourselves, Help us, Lord, not to do that. Help us to live in the liberty and the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Father, secondly, I pray and I ask you, Lord, to help us not to, not to be so deep entrenched into commercial Babylon, into the luxury of this world that it dims our view from where we are sitting and staying with you. Father, thank you that when Jesus said that we need to use the unfair mammon, but Father, as the word also says, we're, not, we're, not, we're in this world, but not of this world. Help us to live our lives here, Father, in a simple way according to your word, Father. And help us then to see our brothers and sisters that when they are struggling, to reach out and to help, Father.